first lesson is from Leviticus 25, verses 8 through 12. You shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. Then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the fiftieth year, and you shall, shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return, every one of you, to your property, and every one of you to your family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you, you shall not sow, or reap the aftergrowth, or harvest the unpruned vines. For it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. You shall eat only what the field itself produces. Will you please rise for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel lesson comes from Mark 12, verses 38-44. through 44. As he taught, Jesus said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. For our children's message today, I'm hoping I might get a little bit of help. I have some images that I'm going to need your help with. So our first image, uh, you'll notice, and I'm hoping, kids, you can help me a little bit with this, whether you're at home or whether you're here. So it, it's an elephant, but here's my question. How many legs? How many legs? How many? You think five? Okay. Anybody else want to weigh in? You're saying six back there, CJ? Okay. Seven. Okay. Usually an elephant has four legs. Most of the ones I've seen anyway. You all might have seen different elephants than me. Um, but this, this image takes a little bit of our imagination here. It actually has... Four. But we're stretching our imaginations here in this image. I'm going to do this a couple of times with you. There's a couple of different images here. Okay, you ready for the next one? Go ahead. 
What do I have here in this image? So, I hear a couple of things. I heard somebody say two people. I heard somebody say a vase. Is that what I heard? What else? You see two faces. Yeah. Somebody at the 830 service said they saw a pedestal that you could set something upon. Okay. So we're kind of stretching our brains, right? What do we see? What does our imagination show us? Depends whether you're looking at the uh, the dark space or the the light space. Okay, how about our next image? What animal is this? What do you think? It's a rabbit. It's a duck. It's a duck. It's a rabbit. It's both. Okay, we saw both things. It's the same picture. Some of us saw a duck right away. Some of us saw a rabbit right away. We've got another picture. Go ahead. What do I have in this picture? What do you think? I think I just... Go ahead. Go ahead. What do I have? A person looking into a mirror. Oh, good. I like that. Great. Somebody see something different? Did I just hear an old man? An old man with a mustache. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Something about a mirror. Okay. <laughs> Great. So we, we saw different things looking at the same image. Ah, oh, our imaginations keep growing. I'm feeling it. I think I have another image. Okay. Here's my question here. Are the horizontal, horizontal is the lines that go this way. I always have to remember that myself. The horizontal lines, are they straight, level, or are they a little crooked? I heard both. They're straight, they're crooked. They look a little crooked, don't they? You know what? They're actually straight. You're right, buddy. They are. It took a little bit of our imagination, but they are actually straight lines. We have been stretching our imagination. Now, why did I have us do this? Besides, it's a little bit of fun. It was a little bit of fun. Because today we're talking about re-imagining, imagining things again. Taking what's already there and looking at it a different way. Did you know that God calls us to do that? calls us to take what's already before us and take another look at it so that we can see what God has in store for us with what God has already given us. That is what we're going to be doing in our lesson today. So would you guys pray with me? I'll ask all of you to pray with me. It'll be an echo. I'll say it and you'll say it back. That God can help us. We're stretching that imagination muscle. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the world you've given us. Help us to see it with new eyes and reimagine it in your way. Amen. Thanks for helping me. So if imagination is a muscle,
then reimagination is the reward after a few days of consistent stretching. We can see life from a different perspective and learn to listen to where God's calling us, even if the audible voice of God is not always the conduit through which we hear God. To reimagine is to take the parts that are present and see something new out of them. Okay. So, do any of you do word scrambles? Okay. I have one for you. All the letters are present. Let's see if you can figure it out. Some of us like the mental agility of a word scramble. Some of us, it's not really our thing. Reimagine, right? When we tell the story of us as individuals or a family unit, we are reimagining what it can be. It's the invitation to take what we already know, shift our perspective into what fully reflects where God's calling us to be. It's like turning the kaleidoscope. All the pieces are already present, and it matters how you turn the kaleidoscope. You all have done this before. If you turn it very quickly, you watch the pieces tumble into place. If you shift it just a little bit, you watch a slight turn. I'm wondering if anyone's ever seen the play or the musical Les Mis. Anyone's familiar with that? Okay. So what you might not know is Les Mis, what you're familiar with, was not the first play. Now, I'm not talking about the novel that Victor Hugo wrote in French. I'm imagining not so many of you have read the original French book by Victor Hugo. But the original play in French was actually a flop. Back in 1980, it was described as a lurid Victorian melodrama. It was a British producer by the name of Cameron McIntosh who took notice of Herbert Kretzmer's screenwriting and lyrics and said, I can do something with this flop called Les Miserables and make it into something different. Now, there's something that stood in the way. Kretzmer smoke no French. Can you imagine writing Les Mis without speaking any French? He is actually a South African who sold his accordion to make his way to Europe. But his goal wasn't to capture all the idiosyncrasies of the original French. It was to capture the spirit of revolution. You all who've seen this know that you walk away with that feeling of uplift more than you do learning the French language. He understood this because his parents had escaped from Russia. The story, he says, I inherited from Paris ran just about two hours. Those of you who've watched it know it's about three hours. You don't need to be a math whiz to calculate that at least a third of the play didn't exist before he reimagined it. 
By all accounts, the reimagining was much more successful than the original play. The London production ran continuously from 1985 until March, when everything was shut down. It was the longest running production, all because of reimagination. His reimagining of the original French gave new life to the words that some of you will know. To love another person is to see the face of God. Yeah, it became familiar to us because of his words. So there are always these moments as you begin to reimagine the previous action, the previous story, that feel more comfortable than the ones you're beginning next, said differently. The past is more familiar. The future is uncomfortable. It's uncertain. We've almost always told this story of the widow that Kim just read for us in the fall as we've talked about giving. As we reimagine this morning, I want to talk with you a little bit about it from a different perspective. The story is in two Gospels. It's in Mark and in Luke, and it tells us that means it's important. Whenever we see it show up more than once, we know it's important. And as we begin the passage, we heard about those people with long robes who like to hear their own voices and pray long prayers. This started to feel uncomfortable very quickly while she was reading. And we hear that Jesus is sitting at the treasury. And we need a little bit of information there. By giving to the temple treasury, the rich were fulfilling their responsibility to take care of the poor, of the widows, of the orphans, all of whom were not required to give. So when we see the widow giving, this isn't the celebration of sacrificial giving that you and I have heard for years. This is a failure of the system. The widow's being pressed beyond her resources. Many of us have heard this story since we started eating graham crackers and drinking apple juice. And every time we heard it, I'm guessing you heard the same thing I did, which is give sacrificially like the widow. It kind of sounds the same all around. The story we probably heard as the widow's mite, right? That's what we heard. But there's not actually a mite in this story. In both Mark and Luke, the gospel writer uses the word lepton. It's a coin that has the least amount of value in Judea at the turn of the first millennia. In fact, you needed two of them to make the smallest Roman coin. Just to tell you how small of a coinage this was, you had to work six minutes of your average daily wage to earn a lepton. As I was thinking about this this week, a song came in my head. Maybe you know it. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. 
please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you have no penny, a hey penny will do. And if you have no hey penny, then... Oh, you knew it. God bless you. Yeah, it's a catchy poem. I remember learning it as a child. And it actually is an old poem. It was written back in the 1800s, back when there were hay pennies, half pennies. And a hay penny, in case you're curious, I looked it up because I was, hay pennies is half of a penny, which is 12 times as much as a mite. A mite is actually a 24th of a penny. Baked into the culture, the song that you and I know as children, was an understanding that we would give a blessing to those who were in dire straits. Isn't that something? Where did the might come from then? So when the King James Bible was translated in 1611, the might was in circulation for a small amount of time, they think about a decade or so, even though they weren't minted. Incidentally, this is where you get my two cents, these two cents. So let me bring it into a modern update, because I doubt you're carrying around mites and leptons and Roman coinage. In, the Pen in Pennsylvania, minimum wage is $7.25, and an annual salary is $15,000, give or take a little bit. It's above poverty level for one person, not if you have a family. And as I told you earlier, one mite is six minutes of an average day's wage. So for today, our mite is 72 cents. Today's mite is two quarters, two dimes, and two pennies. Or for the ease of our conversation, y'all will forgive me three pennies and I'll tell you it's three quarters. Two cents, a widow's mite, is three quarters, or for a year, $39. Now some of us are genuinely like the widow. Some of the most generous people I've ever met are those who have the least monetarily. Persons who know the intrinsic value of giving. Thanks be to God for those people. And in the time of pandemic, they've been holding it together. If you're one of these people, please let me reimagine with you what financial or economic justice might look like. For the rest of us, we may be more like religious leaders, whether or not we wear long robes or pray long prayers or like the sounds of our voices. We sometimes have over-glorified sacrificial giving to the impoverished. What if Jesus is telling us something different in this story? That in contrast, a new and yet ancient way of sharing and caring for others is what we're called to. The Jewish practice of Jubilee year invites us to imagine leaving the edges of the harvest for the poor and the immigrant to reap. In the 50th year, the harvest is shared and disparities are rebalanced. These practices, more than anything, call us to reimagine 
our own practices. And with these instructions, God imagines a different world for God's children. Reorienting our narrative around self-security to in which we all have enough. Not just theoretically, but actually. Now some have experienced jubilee and coronavirus-induced ways. Relief from eviction. Or credit card companies that reduce fees. I've heard about this. And libraries that are retracting fees. I've had that myself. We've glimpsed this practice. But I imagine, and I invite, you to let this glimpse be a doorway to a fuller reimagination in which we stretch that muscle with the word scramble and then more. Pray about how God's using you to participate in reimagining justice for others. Just like we heard in that jingle, those we would sing, God bless you, too. Where's God calling us? The Israelites were called to Sabbath for their land and for their lives so that once a week they would intentionally think, where is God calling me in a new and different way? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the pastor and theologian, the martyr in the faith, wrote it this way. In normal life, we hardly realize how much more we receive than we give. Life cannot be rich without such gratitude. It's easy to overestimate the importance of our achievements compared to that that we owe to others for the help. When we reimagine God's call to justice with our, with what we have, with our funds, we acknowledge that others have been a part of how we've gotten where we are and what the future looks like. Said a little different, we have a vital role to reimagining what the future looks like. We have a vital role. We're bound together to care well for our siblings in Christ. This, my friends, is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.